Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. You may not always like his opinion, but you can bet he'll have one. Welcome to the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. There uh, isn't anybody in this country, I would venture, or almost no one in this country, is not familiar with these words. A couple hours ago, I learned about troubling allegations about my conduct and character, and I'm here tonight to address them. First, I want to say these allegations are false, categorically untrue, every one of them. I will defend myself as hard as I can, with all means at my disposal. So there's Patrick Brown, the former now leader of the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario on Wednesday night. He said he would continue as an MPP, but then subsequently the next day said he would uh, quit, of course, as leader. He was slated to run against Kathleen Wynne, of course, the premier of the province and the leader of the Liberal Party of Canada in the June 7th election, when Premier Wynne became aware of Mr. Brown's issues, here's in part what she said. I did watch the story uh, last night, and um, I would say to those young women that uh, they were very brave. And I, I want to, I acknowledge that, um, that it was very courageous for them to step forward. I would also say to them that um, they, I hope that they will find the supports that they need now, because they did a very difficult thing. So there's the Premier of Ontario and uh, her reaction to Mr. Brown. There's a lot going on, a lot more to be heard. Kent Hur as well, the uh, Liberal former cabinet minister from uh, Calgary, is also in a situation where he's been accused of being um, sexually, verbally uh, aggressive toward women. And uh, Justin Trudeau has accepted his resignation, Hur's resignation, from cabinet. Mr. Hur says he's going to continue to fight. Um. This is, this is a continuing development, a continuing issue of allegations of sexual harassment, sexual assault being brought forward. And for years, for decades, women have put up with aggressive behavior from men. Now, for women to come forward and explain what has happened to them and, and not sit back and not more than less accept what happened to them, is exactly the way it should be. The Me Too campaign, of course, began that not so long ago. But the question then becomes, and I've seen this a great deal on Twitter, and I've seen it on uh, on email, and I've heard it in phone calls with friends. 
The question then has become, well, if you are anonymous and you bring your complaint forward anonymously, as was done in Patrick Brown's case, are you not denying the man the right to innocence until proven guilt? So he's done now, and his political career more than likely is finished. And this is something that will trail him for life. Is it fair the way it is? Should the women have been named? Did everything move along too quickly? We're going to talk about that. And joining me from uh, Hamilton is Jeff Manishin, former Crown Attorney, now criminal law specialist, and partner at Ross and McBride. And uh, Jeff, thank you for taking the time. I know this is a very significant issue to you. We talked about it off the air, and you're very passionate about this. So let's uh, let's go to where it, the fundamentals of where you stand on what has taken place over the last several days. Sure, and and it isn't only the last several days. It's been really for many months. Well, I want to uh, talk about the Patrick Brown situation, and then we can expand into sure, more. Sure, absolutely. The, the difficulty I have, and you use the phrase presumption of innocence, I'll be careful to point out at the outset, of course, Roy, the presumption of innocence is applicable in a criminal law context. In the civil world, civil litigation world, there's no presumption of innocence. And in society generally, we might say we don't have a legal presumption of innocence. It's a phrase that's used. It's a particular principle applicable in the criminal law context. So we'll set that one aside. In addition, let's identify that issues of sexual abuse and sexual harassment are clearly widespread in society, and they have been for a long time. And to the extent that society is addressing them, by a recognition, by people coming forward and saying this has happened to me and potential sanctions can be imposed and impact has been felt with a view to trying and trying to ensure that maybe at some stage in the future women and everyone have a right to be free from sexual harassment and abuse. And men and everyone will treat one another with respect and uh, compassion. So is, it, is what happened to Patrick Brown fair then? When I talk about presumption of innocence, I'm not just talking from the law and the legal context. We're talking about the presumption that society has, that if you're, if, you're not in, if you're not in court, if you haven't been tried, if there hasn't been a, a, a case brought forward and made against you, then if you're essentially condemned, and I'm not, I'm not protecting Patrick Brown by any means, but if you're condemned, then that presumption of innocence has been violated. Well, and in fact, Roy, let's, so I wanted to give you those as a precursor. So my yeah. views are expressed. I think it'd be important to put them in a balanced kind of context. So let's now, never mind the legal concept, let's, just, let's give Patrick Brown the benefit of the presumption of innocence. Never mind legally, just practically. We don't know whether he did or didn't do it, and maybe he didn't do anything. Well, he's got an election coming up within five months, and on the strength of two anonymous complainants alleging things that happened many years ago, he's put in a position where A, a whole bunch of his staff resign, and B, he's put in a position where he initially says, I'd like to defend it because they're false, and winds up having to resign. And we say, gee, what's the fairness in that? And if we went a little bit further and we say the current premier of Ontario has already judged it, has said, I do think it's brave for these young women to come forward. Well, if we stay with my presumption of innocence, how do we know they're brave women that have come forward? Who knows why it is they're making the allegations? Do we want to conclude without having any kind of inquiry that they're brave women and they came forward? And do we want to therefore conclude he must be guilty because the allegations are made? And the mere fact the allegations are made will be subjected to no uncritical analysis, no critical analysis, 
we're going to just jump to the conclusion they are survivors, they're courageous, and we're going to basically not simply presume that he's culpable, we're going to conclude it. Is that fair? And then we go further, and so the premier of the province says, oh, there will always be due process, there should be due process, there's a legal process that has to be part of this. What's the legal process for Patrick Brown right now? I ask rhetorically. The correct answer is, right now, nothing. He, he has phantoms to fight against. He has people who have come forward anonymously. He has no opportunity to confront his accuser. He has no opportunity to challenge their position. He doesn't really have an opportunity to put his case forward. And in any event, it doesn't matter because he's been put in a position where he's resigned. So his political career is in the garbage. All right. I'm going to have to take a break in a moment. But let me flip this around and think about it. Then we'll talk about it when we come back. It's been argued for many, many years that men have gotten away with being sexual predators, largely without consequences, and not being identified either. So now the tables are turned, and the victims have an opportunity to fight back. What makes that unfair? We have two polar opposites, perhaps. We'll come back with Jeff Manishin, criminal lawyer in Hamilton, and his thoughts on that. Stay with us. You mess with the you bull. You mess with the bull. You get the horns. You get the horns. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Let me also say hello to our friends and our listeners and our callers, I'm sure, from Winnipeg. We're back on with CJOB Radio in Winnipeg. We'll be hearing no doubt from the folks across Manitoba. Great to be back with you. Uh, we were on the air with CJOB for a number of years. We've been gone for a while, and it's, as I said, terrific to be back. Now, the issue that we're talking about, and we'll be getting into different aspects of it as we go through the program today, is the Patrick Brown Kent Her stories. Depending on where you are geographically, one may be of more significance to you than the other. As far as the two are concerned and the fact that there have been complaints against both from women saying that they are sexually aggressive, sexually harassing, sexually assaultive, not both of them and not everybody has said that, but those are claims that have been made. Uh, The sexual assault claims have been made against uh, Mr. Brown. We are going to be speaking with, and this is a question that I I wanted answered, maybe Patrick Brown should have had a public relations company and a crisis management specialist with him or working with him. That was not done. Alan Edwards will join us in the next hour. He's a partner at Peak Communications in Vancouver. They're an award-winning public relations and crisis management firm. Michelle Simpson is going to be with us, who, of course, is uh, part of our Beauties and the Beast panel on Saturdays. Michelle was a Liberal MP for four years and was Justin Trudeau's seatmate during question period. We'll talk to Michelle about the kinds of situations she encountered when she was a federal member of Parliament. Lior Samfiru is a partner at Samfiru Tamarkin LLP in Toronto, employment lawyers. We'll talk to Lior about the employment law aspect of this. But back to the, the, the question of how a criminal lawyer sees what has uh, happened and what is going on with Patrick Brown and Kent Herr. Jeff Manishin is a criminal lawyer in Hamilton, and Rawson McBride, who's also a former Crown attorney. So, Jeff, the, what, I, what I mentioned before the break was, it's been said, and, and I think 
properly and, and, and accurately argued, men have gotten away with being sexual predators for many years and largely without consequences. So now it's said the tables are turned and victims have an opportunity to fight back. Where does that fit into the equation if it does? Well, what we uh, want to identify, Roy, is it's correct. It's been under-identified and under-acknowledged and under-appreciated. And so certainly part of the exercise now in society is to get those attitudes turned and ensure that where it has taken place, it's dealt with appropriately and women are provided with a safe environment. What you don't want to have is an overreaction, though. What you don't want to have is a rush to judgment. What you don't want to have is say, it was under-sanctioned in the past, so let's tar everyone with the same brush now yeah. without any process. That's what you have to be careful for. We can't have an unchallenged acceptance. All right. Now, precedent comes into play, or it doesn't. I'll ask you to decide. The John Gomeshi case has been brought up on a number of occasions over the last several days. Where does Gomeshi's case fit into the stories of Patrick Brown and and and, uh, and Mr. Her Kent Her? Well, if we were to ask Andrea Horvath, the leader of the uh, NDP, she'd, she'd answer on the justice system in two words, John Gameshi. And I'd say, Andrea, you didn't look at the reasons for judgment. The trial judge rejected the evidence of the complainants because of some significant falsehoods, some manifest unreliability to their testimony. And at the end of the trial, the judge was not satisfied beyond a reasonable doubt, substantially because essentially he concluded the complaints were not fair and candid and honest. That was at the core of it. Now, it didn't prevent people from saying we believe survivors and treating the women as survivors, although the judge had basically not gotten to that stage. Because you don't have someone as a survivor if there hasn't been a finding of culpability by the accused. But John Gomeshi was certainly a touchstone, was certainly a trigger point, was certainly a very hot-button issue. Mm-hmm. And could it have contributed to society's concerns about women making allegations of sexual abuse, of sexual misconduct in the context of a relationship and highly emotionally charged at that, Gameshi is one, and we have several that are on the go. Bill Cosby is another. Yeah. So what you have right now, Roy, is certainly a very heightened sensitivity in all aspects, from the military to the RCMP, from mm-hmm. the legal profession to politics to entertainment. So what legal advice would you give to every man about dealing with women, how to address women, how to speak to women, how to share humor, how to behave when out on a date? Has the relationship... Has, has the relationship between men and women become a minefield? Well, the way I'd phrase it is, I don't know how they call it a minefield, because I say if you, if you treat women with respect, if you treat women with sensitivity, if you look into any relationship as something that's got to be a shared in partnership and, and a, proper, um, a proper understanding appreciation for the rights of each, that's the way you conduct yourself. But here's part B of the equation, Roy. I would say... And today, should the man feel at ease that if he does so, he is safe against any allegations for the indefinite future? And the answer is no. The answer is no. He can never feel entirely assured that notwithstanding he's behaved appropriately, there could be some circumstance where something in the future might either be misinterpreted or even the subject of unreliable, inaccurate, or even dishonest allegations. You know, one, of the things, one of the things that I've heard, Jeff, is that men I've talked to say have said exactly what I suggested. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say because they don't know what the reaction is going to be. Well, they, so, so, so whether it's a, whether it's correct or not, it's the perception of the men I've spoken with 
And so their question is, what do I do? I understand you're saying deal with it sensitively. That would be my response too. But is there a is there a legal requirement or not? Is, is has the legal has the legal framework not framework, but the legal uh, landscape changed at all? I wouldn't say that the legal landscape has changed. You still have the benefit of the presumption of innocence. You still have the the opportunity to to be able to make full answer and defense against an allegation. But Roy, the real landscape is not so much the legal one as the reputational one that the allegation itself can have highly destructive uh, con- uh, uh, consequences, that facing a criminal charge and being acquitted can have lifelong adverse impact. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem. So I think it's a bit of a compliment to say, I don't know how to behave. Really, you don't know how to treat another person with respect. You don't know how to treat another no, person No, no, I don't think that, that's, not the point sure that's not the point they're making. Well, what they're going to—it's not I the point they're making. Part. They don't know how that—they don't know how what they traditionally how they traditionally behaved is going to be received, and their traditional behavior from the guys I've talked to, I would presume because I know them, would have been respectful. They just don't know. It's a legitimate point to raise. Let me ask you this: in the two minutes we have left, sure. have you dealt with it in a, from a legal perspective? Have you have you been in court dealing with cases like this? Well, I have for a lo- for many years, and it's it's not new. Several years ago, I represented a guy charged with what was then rape and forcible confinement. He got out on bail, and the Crown was bringing an application for a bail review, and there were women picketing outside the courthouse saying rapists shouldn't go free. And I, I managed to have him, I, I kept his bail order, and I had evidence to show that the complainant had lied. And ultimately, police investigated, and she was charged with public mischief. And she was convicted. She pled guilty to it. And that happened, I would say, 25 years ago, and I've dealt with other cases over the years since then, and even more recently, where there are allegations made of sexual assault, sexual abuse, and there's very good reason to question, Mm -hmm. very good reason to challenge. That's continued, but what what has really changed, as I say, is heightened public sensitivity. And the role of social media can ensure that a case that might have gotten coverage in the Hamilton Spectator some years ago can now get international, permanent attention that you cannot eradicate. Now, and no one's saying that... Uh, either Mr. Her or Mr. Uh, uh, Brown are not responsible in the way that women have described them as being responsible for their behavior. But no one is saying either that uh, you should you should summarily be convicted based on hearsay and and just anonymously. Uh, lodging complaints. There's a, there's a, there's a, the, the anonymous, the anonymous part of it has it really is rubbing people, guys, maybe women as well, the wrong way. Oh, certainly. And I happen to see Roy, and this wasn't so much specifically for anonymous Nova Scotia, their leader of the opposition. That's Jamie right. Bailey, there that's was right. an independent third party investigation that was conducted. Yeah. That's at least some form of process. Yeah. Well, it's not possible if you have an anonymous complainant. But the concept of an opportunity to have something, never mind the trial process, criminal law, even civil litigation, if there's a mechanism for a process where you at least have a chance to confront your accuser and present your defense and have a fair and impartial determination. Yeah, yeah. you know, That's it's, in, in, and, and Jeff, we, the, the place we are now with these developments of these cases, and they're happening all over the world, is also a time where we might want to just hit the pause button and decide what we're going to do in order to make it fair for everybody. And fair for everybody is the key phrase, Roy. Yep. Thank Not you. simply fair for those who have made the allegations. Counselor, always good talking to you. Thank you oh, so much. My pleasure, Roy. Thanks. Bye. Jeff Manishin, partner at Ross and McBride in Hamilton, former Crown Attorney, now criminal law specialist. We're going to get away from this issue for a little while and come back to it later on throughout the program, and we have more for you tomorrow. But when we come back, we're going to speak with Scott Newark, former Alberta Crown Attorney, Executive Officer of the Canadian Police Association, and 
former security advisor to the governments of Canada and Ontario and adjunct professor at Simon Fraser University. Joshua Boyle is now facing additional criminal charges, including sexual assault with ropes and criminal harassment. What does Mr. Newark think is going on? Stay with us.